Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward, and God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience, and just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that, follow the instructions, and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry, and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. Go with me over to 1 Samuel chapter 19. We've been in a series about relationships. How many's enjoyed this series so far? Amen. Today we're talking, we're going to talk about uh, the painful side of relationships, but we're looking at the life of David, so it's David, king of relationships. I've never preached a series about relationships using King David, but I've preached more about King, I love preaching and talking about David. I always say to everyone, you have to find yourself in the Bible. How many learned that? If you go through a storm, if you go through something in your life, find yourself in the Bible. Somebody in the Bible has been where you are. Please hear me today. This is how you use the Bible. This is why this book is the number one best-selling book in human history. But it only works if you know how to rightly divide the word of truth. You've got to learn how to read the Bible. It's not like a novel or a story. It's his story. Amen. And David, is. we've got so much uh, scripture dedicated to the life of David, more than any other person in the Bible. And I, I believe because he covers the spectrum. And so I've been talking about relationships. We started with him and God. And so I've been using David and Jonathan or David and God, David and somebody. Last week was the beauty of friendship. And I gave you two keys to build a healthy friendship and two things that will destroy a friendship. If you weren't here, you want to get that podcast and listen to that as we looked at David and Jonathan. Well, today we're going to talk about rejection. How many ever been rejected? It could be by a friend. It could be by a spouse. It could be by a leader, a pastor, a church, a teacher. But rejection is one of the most painful things that we've ever encountered in, in friendships and in relationships. I told you last week that some of the most best experiences and some of the worst experiences will take place in the context of relationships. And I would also want to say this to you today, that every friendship and every relationship that everybody has, you yourself has either created it or allowed it into your life. You need to know that. I'm going to say that again next week, especially when I close the series with an illustrated sermon about how to detach from toxic relationships or from, it could be anything that can keep you in the graveyard. You want to bring a friend, bring someone who's not used to the church, who may not be a church person, but is seeking, just bring them. I don't care if you got to bribe them. We got the best coffee in Belleville. Come on, somebody, the best greeters. I don't care what you got to tell them, but get them here for next week because we're going to talk about how to come out of the cemetery, how to come out of the graveyard, how to come into the life that God's called us to. I feel it already. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah. But today I want to talk about Rejection, but I'm going to flip it a little bit and give you a new perspective. And so I'm going to call it the beauty of rejection. 
I'm going to let you see that God, when you're a Christian, when God is in your life, the Bible says that God works all things together for the good. Even the pain of rejection. And so we pick it up in the life of Saul. Everyone say Saul. Saul and David. Saul is the king of Israel. He is the mentor to David. It was a very healthy and beautiful friendship. It's Jonathan, his best friend. We talked about him last week. It's his dad. So he's like coming into a family. He's got all these blessings into his life. But because of what we talked about last week, the insecurities that in Saul killed that friendship. And now he's jealous. And now he's angry at David. And he's turning on David. And so we just pick up, and I'm just going to read a little snippet. You can read all of the story when you go home this week. But we're in 1 Samuel 19. Let's just look at verse 8. This is the situation. That David is in right now. And there was war again. Everyone say again. And David went out and he fought with the Philistines and he struck them with a mighty blow. The Philistines were the enemy and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul and he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. It says the distressing spirit. I don't have time to go back and tell you, but what's happening is God is lifting up his hand of blessing and covering over Saul because of Saul's disobedience, his pride and his sin. God is moving his blessing off of his life and moving it on to David. And so when God removes his blessing and his protective cover on our lives, the enemy then can come in, and that's what's happening here. And since God is sovereign, they're saying it came from God because God didn't send the Spirit, but God allowed it to happen. This is what's happening in the life of Saul. He's sitting at his house, and his hand is on his spear, and David's hand was on an instrument. He was playing with his hand, verse 10 music. Verse 10 says, then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear. But David slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. He left that dinner party a little early that night. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for what you've already done. But I thank you for what you're doing right now. And Father, for the next few minutes, God, I pray you speak to our heart. Encourage us, instruct us, rebuke, reproof us, give us correction, and help us, Lord. Fill our hearts with hope today as we listen to your word. I pray, use me again, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Tell three people before you're seated, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Hallelujah. David and Saul, the beauty of rejection. I wanted to call this message the beauty of rejection because I love about coming to church. One of the things that happens is, um, thank you, Pastor Steve. Didn't our worship team do another excellent job again today? Thank God for these guys. That worship team is growing. We've got to get in the bigger building just to fit the worship team up here. Amen. I mean, yeah, come here. We have not, now there's nights for vocals only, for instruments only, and this song and that song. And God's raising up some great leaders in the worship team. It's just amazing to see some new faces up here. I saw Molly up. Look, at, I saw Molly up here today. Kennedy back there. I love it, man. Peter. Peter's up here every week now, even leading on Wednesday. Come on, somebody. Don't you love Peter? Come on, give Peter some love right now. I love it. I love this church. I love people. I love, I love what God's doing in everybody's life, man. Amen. I love what God's doing in your life, John, Larry. I love it. Paige, I love it. God filled her with the Holy Spirit on Wednesday night. Amen. Isn't it awesome? I mean, 
you just, I could just spend all day on just bragging on what God is doing in your life. And listen, if you're in a season right now where you don't really see God moving in your life or you don't know, you know what's happening, I want you to know that God is still moving in your life. Even when you don't see him, he's still moving in your life. And so it brings us to this story here, and I want to change your perspective, and that's what I said about I love coming to church because God changes our perspective. He changes the way we look at situations and things in our life. When you hear the word of God, you may look at one situation one way, but then when God gives you his perspective, it changes the whole thing. Uh, one of my favorite stories is in First Kings, and the older prophet is there in the morning, and he is um, he's getting up in the morning, and he's on the run from the enemy. The enemy is chasing him down, and the Bible says that the prophet had a younger man with him, and the younger man went outside that morning from the camp just to get some water or something. He looks up, and he sees the armies of the enemy, the Bible says, surrounding their camp. How many would like to wake up in the morning and everything you know just begin to go wrong? How many's ever had that happen? I don't know. It was one of them days. I mean, everything, and the, and the guy just, the little kid dropped the pail of water. He runs into the tent, and he says, alas, alas. That's King James for, oh, my God, OMG, OMG. He goes, he goes, oh, my gosh. And the prophet's, you know, like shaving in the morning. That's how I picture him. I use my imagination when I read my Bible, so don't pick on me. Amen. Anyway, and, and, and all I know is the young kid goes, oh, my God, we are surrounded by the enemy. And I love this story. Because the prophet then looks up and he goes, don't worry about nothing. And he continues to shave. He continues to just sit there in the morning. And the young kid goes, what do you mean? Everything is falling apart. Everything I know, the enemy is surrounding us. Didn't you hear us? And the prophet leans back and says, oh, God, open up his eyes. In other words, oh, God, let him see what I see. And that's what I pray for the next few minutes. God, let us see what you see. Let us see the situation we are in right now the way you see the situation we are in right now. And the Bible says that moment God opened up his spiritual eyes and what was the enemy was surrounded him. I feel the Holy Spirit. The enemy was surrounding the camp. True story. But what he did not see with the natural eyes is God's army was also marching and standing all around the enemy. And he said, this is why you're so cool, and this is why you're so calm in the middle of the storm. It's because you can see that God's got this. I want you to know that no matter how you feel surrounded today, no matter how alone you may feel, no matter what you're going through, I want you to know that God's bigger than your problems. His army's bigger than the enemy's army. His weapons are stronger than the enemy's weapon. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Come on, if you believe it. Tell somebody, you got to see it the way God sees it. you got to see it the way God sees it. got to see it the way God sees it. And I love this story because it starts off so good. Saul loved David. He loved the way David fought. And if you have uh, never heard of David and Goliath, how many's never heard of David? How many's never heard of David and Goliath? Amen. Okay, a few of you. So let me just give you a spoiler alert. Goliath is the giant and he loses. It's a couple chapters over. Goliath is a big giant. He was a huge man. He was over nine feet tall. And he was very big, and, and he was just uh, him and the Philistines came against Israel, and they were on one side of the hill, and the Israelites were on the other side of the hill. And every day, the enemy, would, Goliath, would march down in the mid, middle of the valley and just publicly defy God right in front of the Israelites. He would make fun of them. He would say, where is your God? If your God is so cool, if your God is so amazing, 
then someone come out here and fight me and challenge. He just began to challenge Israel. And the Bible says the whole camp of Israel was afraid to come out. But young David was there one day just giving out sandwiches to his brothers and to the people of the army. And he heard the giant begin to defy God. And the Bible says that, giant, that David said, hey, if no one else is going to fight, I will fight this giant. And the story says that when David went out, he began to proclaim the blessings and the promises of God before the giant even fell. In other words, he ran to his battle by saying, this, this Philistine is going to fall. He's going to fall. He cannot stand against God. And the enemy hasn't even been defeated. And that's what Saul loved about David, is that David was able to proclaim the blessing and the promises of God before victory ever happened in his life. Can I tell you, don't wait until everything is going smooth, everything is going fine, everything is going right in your life before you start giving God the blessing. Can I tell you that you got to learn to start giving God praise, start declaring the promises of God even before you see them happen in your life. Because let me tell you something, there's never going to come a day when everything's going right. There's never, how many's found that out? There's never going to be a time, and you may be sitting here saying, Pastor Eddie, I'm not going to totally even surrender my heart to God until this happens and this happens and everything's happened. I, I did that for a while. I said, God, I'm going to serve you, you know, when I'm able to, to live a clean life because I couldn't break away from I had some habits in my life. I had some junk in my trunk. As they say, I had some issues. How many's got had some issues? How many still got some issues? Come on, somebody. Hey, man, God, it's a progress. It's a work in progress, right? And I remember saying, God, if you help me do this, I'll do that. And after a while, man, God said, I'm not up here doing this man come to me as you are just learn to to just trust me with right where you are. i love you just the way you are come to me like that i'm gonna take care of everything else and that's what kind of fighter david was and saul loved it saul said man this guy can see the victory before it even happens and so you know what he did he blessed him and let me tell you this he blessed him but watch what he gave him he blessed him with more battles he blessed him by making him the captain of the army and here's the message in that. Your blessing that you're wanting God to give in your life will come, but it's going to come with more battles. Isn't it true? Oh, God, give me a bigger house. I need a bigger house. I need. Here comes the bigger house. You've got to clean it. God, I'm single. Bring me a husband. Bring me a husband. Bring me a wife. Bring me a wife. Then you then you're get married and... All the married people just look straight ahead at me right now, amen. Oh, God, give me a baby. I just need a family. And then you get a little baby. Three weeks go by. I had slept. I can't eat. That baby won't stop crying. God, do something. And Jesus, every blessing that God gives us will always come with some battles attached to that blessing. You need to know that. Because when God sends you a blessing... Oh, we want to grow. Oh, we want to grow, Pastor Eddie. We're only here. There's only 20 of us here, man. And come on. We want to grow. We want to reach this city. Okay. Boom. Two services. Someone say battle. Tell your neighbor, if you, especially if you're volunteering, the battle is real. Come on, somebody. The battle is real. You're here for practice. You're here for this practice, that practice. That. You don't even know. You're here more than you're at home. Come on, somebody. The battle is real in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to build that building. I mean, we want to get a big building so we can have one just rock and roll service to Jesus and man and Holy Ghost moving and boom, just do one big one. We need about a million dollars. Come on, somebody. 
See that? I'm telling you, every blessing has to come with a battle. And when the blessing comes, the battle will always be. But here's the thing about God. He will prepare you in the process of you wanting the blessing, not so you can enjoy the blessing, but so you can overcome the battles that are attached to that blessing. So you need to take care of that little apartment before God blesses you with a house. You need to learn to lead yourself before he gives you a relationship. You need to learn to handle your finances before God gives you big money. I come to preach today at 1130. I don't know if you're ready to hear it today. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is the first lesson in the story is that when you are a Christian, you learn that rejection is often God's way of redirection. I want you to see that. Here's your perspective change. Rejection is God uses often, many times, as a way for redirection in your life. You see this in the life of David, but first you see this in ministry. And I told, I said this, God gave me this point Tuesday morning in my, fellow, in my prayer time. God dropped this in my soul, and I said, God, please don't tell me that this is going to be exactly what you're telling me for the last go grant. Because as soon as I said those words in my truck, I was talking to myself. I mean, talk to yourself. Amen. I was actually talking to the Lord. That's why I love being about a Christian because you never talk to yourself. You just say, I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> anyway, and as uh, soon as I said, I said, God, is this what you're going to do? Is this is what I'm going to be up there telling and preaching about David, but you're also teaching me something. How I many know God will teach you in the middle? You think you're learning one lesson in the middle of a storm, but God's really gotten you learning all kinds of things. And he said, that's exactly what I'm doing. Peace just came into my heart when I said that. Rejection is God's redirection. I ain't got time to get into it now, but write down Acts 16 and go read it later. Acts 16 is the story when the apostle Paul is on a missions trip. And the Bible says he wanted to preach the gospel in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And the Bible says that he went to go tell people about Jesus in the city of Turkey. And your Bible says the Holy Spirit forbid him. It blows my mind. Why would God stop Paul from preaching the good news to people? Because as soon as we have a re- rejection in our life, our life can fall apart and unravel. Oh, my God, God, God's not in it. I know the missionary team was like, hey, what's going on, Paul? So your Bible says the next verse, Paul said, hey, team, let's rally. Let's go and try to enter Turkey south of Galatia. Let, let's go down to Berthia, the city, I believe it was. And, and so the Bible says they went down to this other city, but they were forbidden by the Spirit of Christ again. From preaching the gospel. Why would God stop Paul from doing something that is good? We find it if you keep reading. Everyone say keep reading. Rule number one when you're reading the Bible is keep reading. If you get stuck on anything. If you get stuck on why God did this. why If you don't understand something, keep reading. Why? Because the Bible interprets the Bible. And so if you keep reading, you'll find that, de- that Paul did what we all need to do when rejection first happens, and that is just stop, hold up, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Okay, I just had to say that. Okay, anyway, <laughs> pray for me. It's 1130 service. I got to watch what I say. Anyway, but he, he stopped, and whenever rejection first happens, you need to stop. He stopped, he prayed, and the Bible says that night, God gave him a vision of a man in the city of Macedonia saying, Paul, come over here. Come over here. And he woke up. He woke up. He said, guys, this wasn't rejection. This was just redirection. 
I, I, bet, I thought God wanted us to do this, but you know what? God in his sovereignty, because God will save us from something that we think that you think it's what God wants for your life. Let me think, don't kick that. If God shut the door, don't kick it down in Jesus' name. Please tell me. I'm telling you that. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. So Paul said, let's regroup. Let's reroute. And they went for one man. They went all the way out of their way just for one man. But if you keep reading, the Bible says that this, the church of Philippi was birthed because of that one thing. We've got Paul. And he didn't quit and go home and say, I'm taking my ball to another court. I'm leaving. Forget God. Forget life. No. He said, okay, I'm going to wait and I'm going to trust God because rejection is just simply. And there he went. Come on. That's, that's good. That's good. And we have a whole Bible. We have a whole book in our Bible because of that. So that's what's happening in David's life. But I want to get to three things. That's If I can get these three points. And if I don't give them, I'm going to give you all of them right now. That's why I put them in the front. First one, I want to, I want you to tell you the, to, to talk about rejection in David's life. We're going to look at his hand, his heart, and his hope. You need to write those down. I don't know if I'm going to get to all three the way I want. But I want you to know that these are the three things that you need to pay attention to in your own life whenever you're faced with rejection. Is your hand, your heart, and your hope. This is the three things that you'll see in David's life over all of these chapters. The first one was in the verse that we read there in verse 9. It says that when Saul was standing in his palace, was sitting in his palace, he had his hand, everyone say hand, on his spear. But I want you to see how the contrast, how the difference is in Scripture. That's what I look for. Saul, the enemy, had his hand on his spear, but David had his hand on an instrument. And the Bible says that, that the enemy turned, Saul turned on David and began to throw the spear at him and pin him against the wall. Let me tell you, when it comes to rejection, church, the first lesson you got to learn when the, that rejection is redirection is you, when people are throwing spears at you, as a Christian, you got to learn to do this. Come on, it's a hard lesson. It's a hard lesson. This was the hardest thing that you'll ever learn to do whenever you're faced with rejection is to keep your hand on the instrument and not grab that spear. Let me tell you something about David, by the way, how accurate he was. Saul missed. Can I remind you that David is the giant slayer? David was able with his hands and with a slingshot to take down what a whole city, what a whole army could not do. He was right on point. In other words, he simply could have said, hey, Saul, you missed me, but I don't miss. All I need is one good shot, and I'm going to pin you right to your chair. But he said, I'm not going to be like that because as for me and my house, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise God even if it hurts, even if you're throwing spears at me, even if you're yelling at me and you've turned on me. Tell your neighbor, keep your hand on the, on, the, on the instrument. Hand on the instrument. Hand on the instrument. What was God doing? God was redirecting. Here, get this, get this. God was redirecting David because he was a warrior, but God was redirecting him to a worshiper. He was redirecting. He was saying, David, you're a warrior. You're bad to the bone. I mean, I, everybody knows that. But I have got to learn because you're going to be going into a new realm. You're going onto a new destiny. And the way you used to fight ain't going to be the way you got to fight. You got to learn to fight a different way. You've got what got you to this place ain't going to get you to the next place. You've got to learn to let me come in. You got to invite me into your life when you're in the middle of a battle. And don't throw that spear back, but lift up the name of God and go from a a warrior to a worshiper. Come on, somebody. 
Come on, give them a praise break today. How many worshipers are here today? How many worshipers are here today? Come on. Give him praise. So for, for 8 to 12 years, that's a long time. Don't you think that's just a Bible number? That's a long time. He ran from his friend Saul. Saul turned on him. He was in a, a long-term bad relationship. You ever know somebody like that? I mean, it was, it was just, it was good in like the first week. And then for eight years, it was like, what in the world are you doing? And the reason why I picked rejection out to talk about it, because I could talk about a lot of different things when I talk about David and Saul. But rejection stands out because you'll read, when you read the story over and over again, David's trying to make it up. He's trying to come back to Saul and say, Saul, man, you got it wrong. I, I never said that. I never tried to overtake you and take your throne. I was content being on the back side of the desert and just with my little sheep I was happy all by myself you're the one that brought me into here you're the one that said that God's anointed me to be the king I just want to be your friend I'm just here to help you man if you read it but Saul then would say you're right David I'm so sorry and he would kiss him and hug him and say, I'm so sorry. But the next scripture, it would say, then David, then Saul was alone in his house again. And all of a sudden, that spirit would rise up and he would turn on David again. And David would run. It was over and over. You ever go back and try to make things right? You know what was happening? God was saying, hey, it's not rejection. Somebody needs to hear this again. It's redirection. Because before I have you sit on the throne... I got to make sure that you can sit in my presence and learn to worship me. We would never have David's greatest hits if it wasn't for this season of his life. The book of Psalms, the middle book in your Bible, if you open it up, it's the longest book in your Bible. Why? Because those are the songs. It's called Psalm, not Psalms, Psalm, not Revelations, Revelation. Anyway, Psalm are songs that David, most of them are from David. That he wrote the most beautiful songs that have comforted millions of people over the years were written in the darkest time and season of his life. Can I tell you that some of the most beautiful songs that you'll ever write in your life will come during the darkest moments of your life. Sometimes your clearest picture of who God is will be when your eyes are full of smoke in the fiery furnace. We have one of them. In Psalm, let me just give you one. He says, no one cares for my soul. Have you ever been there? In Israel, this time last year, 16 of us were able to go to Israel. And we, I couldn't wait for that sixth day. Because the sixth day we were going to the caves of En Gedi, where this was written. You can go and you can see where David hid from Saul in the caves. It's amazing. And I went and I saw that. And I thought to my, and I highlighted it on, on the itinerary. I said, I can't wait. I'm reading Psalms. But to put it in context, you got to see when you go there, you got to understand. We think these songs were written by some church dude many years ago. No one cares for my soul but you, God, are there, or something weird. It's not at all. This is from about a 19-year-old kid who just had everything he ever known and everyone that he ever respected just turned their back on him. And what God was saying was, David, you can worship me when everything's going fine but I want to move you from a warrior to a worshiper and a true worshiper can worship me right in the middle of their storm. So I want to know what will you do when you feel like no one cares for you? And we have it. 
for all of us when you feel like no one cares for you, when you weren't invited, when you weren't asked to sit with them. I mean, you got saved, and now your friends at work used to take, ask you to come out. They don't even talk to you. They don't even include you in the conversations. Have you ever been there? I remember my friends at work, man, they just, every, I was, every week, man, I was into the conversations. I mean, they would invite me here and there. And I remember I, I, one time I walked home on a Monday. They were like, what would you do over the weekend, Ed? I see that you're on time today. You ain't hung over and you ain't all grouchy. I was like, man, I went to church. I'm telling you, God was up in that place and I gave my life to Jesus. And it's like everybody went. And what hurt me is then they begin to throw spears. I remember feeling that. All alone. I remember what's going on. And God said, I want to see what you're going to do. And I love what David said. But you are my refuge. You are my portion. I will praise you. Come on, somebody got to learn to do that. Somebody has to learn to do that in the middle of your rejection. When you feel like you're all alone, come on. You don't read the psalm, you be the psalm. You don't read the Bible, you be the Bible. You don't let just the Holy Spirit just tell you this. That, you know, you let the Holy Spirit have his way in your life. Let him build you. Let him strengthen you. And this is how you do it. You make up your mind that when you feel all alone and no one cares for you, I will praise you. You are my strength. You are my portion. Come on. Hallelujah. We have Psalm 58. He says, all day they've twisted my words. You ever have that happen? I didn't say that. I didn't say it like that. All day they have twisted my words. Their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together and they hide. Isn't it amazing that sometimes you can have people in your life that don't even like one another, but when they turn on you, they become best friends? It's like, where, what, you're with what? I saw you check in where with who? And now they become best friends. You know what? Because they like to hold that spear together. That's what they have in common. But I've learned to come to the place that, oh, Lord, if you can bring two of the devils together, then God bless you. You can bring people together. But as for me, in my house, I'm going to go ahead and serve the Lord. I'm going to keep my hand on my instrument. I'm going to keep my heart clear before God. And I'm going to praise you even while they're throwing javelins at me. But he says, Lord, they're twisting my words. I didn't even say it like that. I didn't even say it like that. They gather together. They hide. They mark my step. In other words, that's another way of saying they're waiting for me to fall. Oh, you're going to church now, huh? Watch him. Here he comes. He's going to church now. Oh, look how he did that. If he was a real Christian, he would open the door for that lady. I can't believe he's not even saved. He didn't even pray over his food. I heard him get mad and he said a cuss word. How many's ever felt that, man? They're just people just watching you. That was Jesus' ministry. You imagine Jesus for three and a half years. The Bible says that the Pharisees came early to get the best of the seats so they can criticize him and find something wrong with him. Everybody in the front row just ought to feel really awkward right now in Jesus' name. But they're my family. So praise God. Amen. Amen. They would. Every day Jesus got up. He had his people out there just criticizing him. But I love what David was able to get to the place. Look, look, this is what it looks like when God is bringing you from a warrior to a worshiper. When you're able to get to the place. Oh, this is so easier said than done. Sometimes I wish I can live what I preach. Sometimes if I'm honest, I tell you that I wish this could come as easy as preaching as it does as living. But let me tell you something. 
When I first had spears getting thrown at me, I was 25 years old. I was like, hey, I ain't that saved. <laughs> you talking to my wife about that? We're a youth pastor. We're trying to save your nappy head kid from going to hell. And you're in here talking to my wife about that. Let me tell you something. You know how many hours we've been living in this church building for that little heathen of yours to get saved? Holy Spirit was like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> You'll read in this story that David got himself in one place. He was surrounded by the enemy. I love David. And the Bible says David didn't know what to do, so he act crazy and begin to foam and let spit come down his beard. Your Bible says he began to claw at the wall, and they were like, oh, my God, is this David the giant? He is demon-possessed and crazy. We're not going to touch him. Let him. And the Bible says the enemy escorted him right out of the camp. Can I tell you, you can get so madly in love with Jesus that people will think you're crazy. They'll think you lost your mind. They'll think you're going in the wrong direction. But I want you to know you go ahead and think I'm crazy. I'm crazy because I go to church. I'm crazy because I support the ministry. You're crazy because I don't throw the spear back, but God's got a plan. Woo! Hallelujah. But he says, what can man do to me? What can man do to me? That's where you got to get to that place. He, and I want you to know, here's the whole point of that, is when his hand is on his instrument, his hand is on a weapon. And as long as you keep your hand on the harp, hardest thing in the world that you will do is not to pull that javelin out of the wall and stick it to him. Because like I said, David would have gotten him with one blow and the fight would have been over. He would have been king. Deal's done. But he goes to the second point, not his hand, but his heart. The Bible says the reason why David didn't throw that spear back is because he had a heart that was after God. And can I tell you the hardest thing is keeping your hand from throwing the spear back. But what's even harder than that is keeping your heart pure during a season of rejection. Let me preach to you, saints. This is where you really, this is what the world needs to see. The world needs to see this. The world's not too impressed with our preaching, our singing, our church, our clothes, our outfit. What is so desperately needed in our culture today is people that won't throw a spear back and throw it back over across the aisle in politics. Well, I think I hit something there, Dad. It won't throw something back at the ex. It won't throw something back at that boss. And, and they even did you wrong. Saul did David wrong. Absolutely 100%. The Bible says in chapter 24 that King Saul went into one of those caves to use the bathroom. The Bible leaves nothing out. And the Bible says that while King Saul took off his armor, he took off his robe and he pinned his robe up on the side of the cave and he went back to find the bathroom, that David slid down the side of the cave and he got out his knife. David's a warrior. He's a little ruggedy little dude. He was like, and he began, he wanted to cut a piece of that robe off just so he can get back out and go, aha, I got, I got you now. I could have killed you. I could have took you out. I could have went ahead and don't you know where I'm from? I'm from Southwest, baby. You want to play dirty? I, want, I can play dirty, but I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to go there. He could have went on, on social media and he could have just blasted them because he had them. He had them. He had them. He had them. The Bible says he went to go cut that little piece of the robe off, but the Holy Spirit, his heart, 
smote him. His heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid. The Lord forbid that I do this. And his friends are like, what are you talking about, David? Man, what are you talking about, man? You just need to let everybody know that you haven't done it. David said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to let the Lord defend me. It's the hardest, like I said, it's easier. You can tweet that a lot faster than you can live it. But David lived it, and that's why we have that in the Bible. He took that piece of robe. He had the dirt that he had on him. Aha! I'm going to let everybody know what they really said. I'm going to let everybody know. I'm just going to put it on. Can I tell you how many conversations I have written on Facebook and replying to people but never sent it? Seriously, how many text messages? I mean, pages. They were going to get lit up. I was going to blow their phone up. What are you thinking? But we wear this bracelet we have. This sometimes stupid bracelet, as I call it. And I said, okay. And the Lord is saying, you going to handle this yourself or are you going to let me handle it? Because I've learned when I handle it, because I have sent those messages just to let them know what's happening in Jesus' name. And then it just explode. And they go, wow, I did not even see that you can take it that way. Wow, I did not even, wow. And God's going, mm-hmm. Another five years, Eddie. It's going to cost you about five years to get that one back. But thank God we have a Holy Spirit that lives in us. And I'm here to tell somebody today, some of you grabbed a javelin and you had it lined up and you were going to throw it. But the Holy Spirit said, don't. Keep your hand on the, on the harp. Others of you got some dirt. You got it. You, you might have recorded them. I don't know. You snapped, screenshotted the whole conversation. You're about to put it out there on blast. No, no, no. God is saying, you won't do that? You'll get a little bit of wow. Okay. But if you let me handle it. The next chapter, the Bible says that the Lord caused Saul to go and his army to go into a deep sleep. They were all sleeping. The Bible says the Lord put him in a deep sleep. I'm just going to give me five more minutes. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit put him in a deep sleep. And Abishai, David's nephew, was a warrior, bloodthirsty warrior. And he looked into the camp. He said, they're sleeping, David. God has delivered you from your enemies. And the Bible says Abishai grabbed a spear, ran into the camp, and said, come on, just give me the word. I will stick him one time and pin him to the ground. I don't need a second shot. Just give me one shot. Come on, David. Come on, let me get him. Let me get him. And David said, got my hand on the heart. My heart's, you ever been conflicted? Oh, man. Come on, David. He's the guy that said he was going to be with you forever. He was going to marry you and be faithful and be loyal. He was going to raise your kids. She said she wasn't going to mess around. She was done with all of that. She wanted to go to church with you. That boss said he was going to give you the promotion. He was going to give you the raise, but he gave it to somebody else. Come on. They said they were going to be your best friend. They were going to be with you through the thick and thin. They would never leave you nor forsake you, but they left you to hang out to dry. They put you on blast. Come on, David. Let me pin them to the ground. True story. I love what David said. David said, I'd love to do that, Abishai. And this would be over because I'm exhausted. But he said, I'm going to do something harder. I'm going to give him to the Lord. And let the Lord strike him. 
That's what he says. I don't have it up there, but it's in the next chapter. He says, the Lord will strike him. And who knows, when he goes out to battle, he may be taken out in battle. If he lives to be old, maybe he'll die of a disease. But as for me, I'm going to keep a clear conscience and a clear heart. Because the Lord is my refuge. He is my defender. He is my defender. He is my defender. Who am I talking to today at 1130? God is my defender. He is my defender. He is my provider. He is my perfecter. And he is my shield in whom I He is my strong tower. All of those songs are written by David who didn't just preach it, who just didn't sing it, but he lived it. The Bible says that Saul went out to battle and God told him many years ago when he first became king, God said, Saul, I want you to wipe out the Amalekites because they ambushed my people coming out of Israel. And God said, it's payback time for them. God will will fight for us. So Saul, your Bible says, instead of doing it God's way, Saul did it his way. Can I tell you something? Don't serve God your way. Serve God his way. Let me just throw that out there. It has nothing to do with the message, but it has everything to do with it. So the Saul went out, and he, he didn't kill all the Amalekites. He kept the king. He kept the best food. He kept the best uh, equipment and the best material, and he brought it back, and he said, I, I kept it. And Samuel, the prophet, said, I thought you were supposed to wipe them out. Man, they, they killed our women and children, and God was wanting you to wipe them out. And Saul said, Saul, this guy throwing spears at David, he said, oh, I did. I did everything the Lord has commanded me to do. And Samuel said, then how come I hear sheep in the background? And who's this dude? That's the king. You brought the king back? This king killed dozens of our people, little children. And Saul said, well, I thought that I would do this my way. And God said, and Samuel said, because you did it your way, he has taken the kingdom off of you. And he has found him a man. After his own heart. No, you ain't heard about him. You ain't heard about him. You ain't heard about him. But he's in Belleville right now at 1130 at 870 Savage Row. You might not have heard about him. You might be thinking, when is my day coming? But I want you to know God's got a set up before you. He can even think about it. If you would just hold steady and keep your hand on the instrument, keep your heart pure before God. Samuel said, I got a David that's going to come out of nowhere. And I'm going to have him on the national stage. And he's going to set my people. He's going to rule my people. And he's going to do what I want him to do. Everyone say Amalekites. Because the Bible said when David let him go and said my heart is not, isn't keeping me from killing him. The Bible says Saul went out to battle one day and the battle was fierce and he ran around the side of the mountain and he was about to die and he died. The enemy killed him. David then became king and now he's ruler in Second Chronicles. He's sitting on the throne. The run is over. No more dodging spears. It is all over. And this man walks into the room and he says, I got a message for King David. And David said, what is it? And he said, I have something in my hand. And David said, what's that in your hand? He says, it's the crown of your enemy, King Saul. I killed him. You would think David would say, finally, that brother got what he was coming. Thank you. But your Bible says that his heart was so pure before God. He commanded all Israel to sing a song. He wrote a song to honor his enemy. Can you write a song to honor your ex? Just name it. Who's rejected you? That's what David did. We all want to be used by David. You used like David. What can you do as David did? He had all of Israel did that. And then, by the way, the king said, 
what's that in your hand? Is that the, is that the uh, crown? He said, yeah. He goes, who are you? He says, I'm the last of my kind. I'm an Amalekite. The very thing that Saul would not get rid of in his life was the very thing that took him down and removed him from office and destroyed his family and destroyed his kingdom. Can I tell you at 1130 at 870 Savage Road, if God is telling you to cut something out of your life and get it out of your life, I don't care how good it looks, how nice they talk, how good they smell, how everything may look. I'm telling you, if God is saying cut it out, then you need to cut it out because it's going to be the very thing that will take you down. David got off the throne and he struck him down and he said this, you struck down not my enemy. He was my enemy, but he was the anointed of God. In other words, if God, if, if that enemy has come against me, then God will take out my enemy. I want to close with this little scripture of giving you some hope today. Won't you stand with me? I could call this message this morning. David and Saul, the test of rejection, because I want you to know that today, if you haven't guessed by now, when you're a Christian, everything is a test. If David would have threw that spear back, if David would have, would, would have cut that piece of garment off, if David would have went ahead and retaliated, we probably wouldn't have him like this. But he passed the test. But in the middle, and here's his hope. This is how he did it. When he was all alone, God sent his friend. We talked about him last week, Jonathan. And the Bible says that Jonathan saw a son he arose and he went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. Isn't it amazing how his enemy couldn't find him? But Jonathan went right to him. Can I tell you, there are people that can't find you on purpose. But God will make people. He will just bring people right in the middle of your life. Why? To strengthen you in your struggle. He came alongside. I love what he said. He said, David, you're tired. You're exhausted. I know you cut my dad's garment over Abishai, your nephew. He's got a problem with social media. He let us all know. I know what you did. I know it was hard for you to keep your hand on the heart because you could have pinned my dad with one throw. We all know this, David. And I want you to know, you don't think no one saw you take the high road when they went low, but I want you to know that God of the universe has sent me all the way out here in the middle of the woods. Someone, someone get excited today for you to know that God has strengthened you and watch this. You will be king. And he goes, I know it. You know it. Your, your army knows it. And my dad knows it. Can I tell you that the reason why people's throwing javelins, if you've ever faced rejection, rejection in your life is because the enemy knows because the enemy knows what God has planned for your life and he strengthened him last scripture that I would love to tell you from that moment on gears shifted and he it, it was he, he became king but it wasn't it was a process and this is what I'm going to end with the Bible says that there was now a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David, what? And the house of Saul grew what? As you keep your hand, that's why I come to tell you today. As you keep your hand on the instrument, I know you feel alone. Everybody else would have done fall back. You're choosing to keep your hand on the Instrument, You're choosing to keep your heart pure. You're choosing to keep your hope in the promises of God. I'm telling you what's happening 
As Samson's hair began to grow slowly, so was strength coming into your life. You are becoming stronger and stronger and stronger, and your enemies will lose their hold. Those javelins will become old. Everything will go. You will begin to come. You will go on and become great because the Lord thy God is with you. I'm here to tell you that you will go on and become great because the Lord thy God is with you. Come on, lift your hands if you believe that you're going to go on and become great because the Lord thy God is with you. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, for giving us the grace to not throw back. And God, if we have thrown back, we repent right now and say, God, we're going to, from this day forward, begin to let you fight our battles. We're going to begin to praise you and worship you right in the middle of our storm. You're going to take care of that person. You're going to take care of that, that job that did me wrong, whatever it is, God, because I'm giving them to you right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. With your heads bowed today, if you're here and you say, Pastor Eddie, I want you to pray for me. I want to give my, my heart, my life to Jesus today. If you need to give your life to Jesus, this is a good service to do it, a good time for you to do it. Just lift up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Eddie. I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus today. I, I'm, I'm not sold out 100%, but I'm going to sell out right now to God. Come on, just lift that hand. Don't be embarrassed. Lift that hand up. Say, pray for me. Amen. I see that hand. Come on, put him up. 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 Pray for me. See that hand? Come on, pray for me today, Pastor Eddie. God brought me all the way out here, not to hear about just David for as another sermon, but I want to give him my heart and my life today. Today, Anyone else? Anyone else? Else. Anyway, you can put them down, put them down. How many here say, Pastor Reddy, pray for me, man. I've been rejected, and it hurts, and I need some strength in my heart right now. Come on, is that you? Lift your hand, lift your hand, lift your hand, lift your hand. Amen, amen. Come on, who needs some strength today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to sing one more song, and I want you to lift that other hand up to God right now. And we're going to give it to the Lord right now. Come on, you be David in the middle out there in the, in the desert. And just give them, give them to God right now. Hallelujah. With the melody you surround me with a song. If you want to get out of your seat, I tell you what, and really make the devil mad, won't you come out of your seat and come up to the front? It just, it just worship. It just feels better to get out of your seat. Come on, if you want to fill these altars right now, we're going to go out worshiping God today. Come on, get out of your seat. Get out of your comfort zone. No matter who's by, this is what we do at church. If you lifted your hand for any Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.